Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Wolf. This is Listener Month. This is Listener Choice Month. I'm so excited by this, man. We got some great fucking movies coming up. Are we going to say what movies have coming up? Yes, no, maybe. I don't know. We do. We got some good ones. Yes. Yeah, yeah, some requests. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you already know what three of them are. Right. Because we only got four of them from the listeners, which is funny because I don't know. Participate, people. That's what you're there for. Have fun. Yeah, come on, man. We decided to pick a movie today for ourselves. Right. There's five Thursday release dates in in April, so here we are. But April, dude, we're in April already. What the fuck? I know, right? How weird, man. Uh, Where did March go? Where did February go? Oh, it was with Burt Reynolds. Yeah, Dark Disney was rad, dude. I was yeah, so much fun. Totally. Fuck. God. Yeah, man. Especially, uh, I want to say I was really surprised by two of the four, five, four, right. five, five, yeah. two of the five. Well, in- including the bonus. Yeah. Because that really surprised me. Because I was like, I was sure I was going to hate that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah, it was. It was a guy. It was fucking real fun, man. Yeah. Well, today we have one that is, let's do another animated movie because we were, we were so stoked about having, uh, you know, watching the two animated movies that we watched during Dark Disney. And they were in the traditional animation. They were traditional 2D right. animation. So this, we're like, you know what, let's have some fun. DreamWorks animation has always been considered kind of like the redhead stepchild to Pixar. Always has been. They've always been in that position. And for the most part, it, I don't think it's fair. There was a period of time no. where Guillermo del Toro stepped in to help kind of um, right the ship if it needed to be, a, if that was such a thing. And he started with Kung Fu Panda. And then from that point forward, all the movies that he was involved in really had a more, a much richer story being told. The characters were, were much more well-defined. And the movie we're doing today is no exception to that rule. Um, this is based on a, a novel and a short film by William Joyce called Guardians of Childhood and The Man on the Moon. And Man on the Moon is very prevalent in Rise of the Guardians. Yeah! This might be... My number one or number two from DreamWorks Animation. This doesn't. This feels the most Pixar-like out of all of their movies. Yeah, absolutely. Character development, the interaction with kids, the animation itself. But and without diving too far, without diving too far into it, dude. Seriously, the the nightmare horses, dude. Fuck, fucking dude, right? I mean, it's fucking dark, dude. I mean, it's kind of fucking nice to come off the heels of right. Dark Disney with this because it's this is dark. It's seriously dark, and and, and dude, not to, to, to not to spoil anything for anybody. If you haven't seen this yet, then I'm gonna say something, and we can decide later if I gotta edit it out. Sure, but drag me to hell, ending, dude. Yeah. Oh man, a hundred percent. Also, I, I was gonna say, what kind of a fucking kids movie usually starts off with someone drowning? Right. I mean, that's how they started. So, you know, (laughs) you don't really know what's happening yet. And then, right. But it is, they trick you. Oh my gosh. And that's why this feels so much more like a Pixar movie. It just, most of DreamWorks movies have always been very straight ahead, very linear storytelling. This one bounces around a bit. Yeah. It is benefits from it in a big, in a big way. I mean, the setup is, you know, you've got Santa Claus, and that's another thing too. I want to point out the names that we're about to mention. The things that we're about to mention have such a different look than what oh, yeah. what's traditional. 
So you got Santa Claus in this, who's just a big buff. <laughs> he's like a lumberjack. He looks like he stepped out of red heat. Yeah, exactly. He's in the gulag. He's yeah, beating he, up on Arnold Schwarzenegger. He just, he's just super ripped. He's out like, you know. The uh, tattoos on his forearms. <laughs> it's so good. You know, the, the Russian accent. It's so good. And that's Alec Baldwin voicing Santa Claus. Uh, the Two Fairy is uh, voiced by Ela Fisher. Easter Bunny with the super thick Australian accent is our man, Hugh Jackman. Oh, yeah. And Sandman, who isn't voiced by anybody. Sandman. <laughs> because Sandman is silent. Dude, when Sandman goes, dude. Oh. Fucking oh, rips my heart out every time I see this movie. Poor Sandy. Yeah. I, you know, I was like, I, dude, I knew it was coming too, and I still got, I was like, God damn it. Right. Got me again. And Jack Frost, in a way you're not used to seeing him. And he is the star of the movie. He is the focal point, and the other characters that we mentioned are supporting characters, even though they're in it quite a bit. Fuck, man, this movie is so fun. And I remember when the movie came out, Joey was not even six yet. He was about a month away from turning six. And, you know, so this is right in our wheelhouse. And we went to the theater to see it. And it was like, <laughs> just when it starts off, I leaned to Melody and Mike, um, is this too much? Uh, <laughs> you, you know, he's drowning, right? He's, but you know, of course the kids aren't seeing it that way. And no. Yeah. But fuck dude, the whole setup is so perfect with knowing the source material of being the man in the moon and the man in the moon in this movie represents God, I guess, in a way, right? Or at least the the overseer of the guardians of children. Yes, I think so. I mean, you can you call it what you like, but yes, that's what it is, I think. Man in the Moon, his job is to kind of guide the guardians as they protect children throughout life and everything. The Man in the Moon decides to make Jack Frost the he's the new he's the new guardian. Yeah. And then the rest of them get alerted to that. Right. Well, it's crazy, right? Because they all gather. like that, that opening sequence where they sort of all show up at yeah. uh, what's basically the North Pole and, you know, Santa's factory, which this is unlike any Santa's factory workshop, anything you've ever seen. No. I mean, it's, it's beautiful, man. It's crazy. I mean, and, and there's the, these, uh, you know, these, the, the yetis, <laughs> the, you know, the there's yetis an army so of great, yetis dude. who actually build the toys because yeah. the elves are stupid. <laughs> and I love that little bit where he's like, I let them think that they're doing it. And, and then one of them's electrocuting himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, dude. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a nice pickup kind of to the minions of uh, the Despicable Me series. But there, there are, there's so much their own. What's funny is how much my when I first saw the movie, how much they reminded me of the of that that the Grandpa Wookie from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Absolutely, man. <laughs> but this is far far funnier and far more entertaining and far more intentional with the humor, honestly, <laughs> as opposed to what they did in the Star Wars Holiday Special. And like I said, this movie doesn't waste any time, man. It just goes for it. Also, as we mentioned earlier, it's very dark. You know, it deals with dreams and it deals with belief and deals with nightmares. And it's like everything that that is very much part of a kid's life, whether they're having good days or bad days. But a lot of times kids fear going to bed yeah. at night because of, of nightmares. Obviously, people, you know, some kids have night terrors and this is kind of touches on that a little bit too. And no, no, for sure. 
and it's it, it, and again, if you're uh, if you're a parent, you you get every little thing that happens in this movie, and, and even if you're not, it's easy to 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 reach back into your childhood, no matter how old you are, and go, oh man, I remember that. There's always something in this. There's something at least, and there's something in this movie that's going to reach you, no matter what it is. And what's fun about the Sandman character is that we've seen variations of Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny. In comedic form, in horror form, but what have we seen from Sandman? Or the uh, Spider-Man Three Sandman is really like, <laughs> like, isn't that like kind of? If you said, "Hey, man, Sandman," that's the first thing you'd think of is Thomas Hayden Church, right? I sure. mean, honestly, <laughs> right? As far as movies go, and we've seen Jack Frost, you know, animatronic form for the with the Jack Rankin Frost. And Bass. We've seen Rankin and Bass. We've seen Jack Frost as an evil, you know, horror movie. Uh, sorry, an evil snowman in a horror movie, but. The funny one, the funny thing is, even though all the other characters are fun and Jack Frost is the focal point of the movie, you gravitate to Sandy, the Sandman. It's just easy. He's just so beautifully drawn in in the charisma that they are able to paint with just his facial expressions and his hand gestures are just like, just so sweet. And it's just, I mean, he really is the highlight of the movie as far as I'm concerned. But they're all kind of going up. Once they come together as, you know, once they add uh, uh, Jack Frost to the mix, reluctantly, Tooth Fairy's excited for it. Easter Bunny's like, no way. Santa Claus is kind of playing the, the Sweden here and saying, oh, come on, we got to come together. We got to be good about this. And Sandy's always just Sandman. He's just like, um, whatever. Jack's our guy, whatever. If that's what the man in the moon wants, then that's what he gets. That's that's Sandy's take on it. Because he's the original guardian, Sandy. Yeah, he is. He's the first one. He's the oldest, right? I mean, he's the he was the first one chosen by the man in the moon. And he has the respect of all of them, too, because of it. But, you know, we talk about nightmares. There's a guardian of nightmares, if you will. Sure. He's not exactly a guardian, but that's how he is in this. And that, the character's name is He's Pitch. the keeper. He's Pitch perfectly voiced by Jude Law. Dude, I mean, I was going to say, how fun is Jude Law in this movie? I'm glad this movie came out in 2012 because if it was 2016, 17. It's Cumberbatch. Yeah, totally. I think you're exactly right. And I think Jude Law like just kills it because he does something that he doesn't do. He goes dark. <laughs> he's usually played that even a dark movie like AI, he's super upbeat. He, you know, he's not right. That's how he plays it. What was the other one? Uh not Repo. Repo Man? What those Repo, Repo, Repo yeah, Men. The, the, Repo yes, Men. Repo Men with Force Whitaker. Yeah. yeah. Or he, you know, you know, he's kind of the only other thing I could think he's kind of dark in and not really is is Watson in um Sherlock Holmes. Speaking of Cumberbatch, isn't that a weird thing? There you go. It's because well, I mean, <laughs> right, let's see, come on, seriously, though, these days, name five contemporary British actors. Sure. Yeah, at least ones that appear in, in studio films. Right. But dude, he plays that voice perfectly. And even though Sandy's like my favorite character in there, it's, it's difficult sometimes as an adult to get angry or like, you know, rude against a villain of an animated movie because it's just a little bit, <laughs> leave that for the kids. But man, it's so easy the way he performs and then just to go, oh, fuck you, Jude Law, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, man. I, I was just to say, I was kind of shocked. You know, if this was made five years earlier, it was Alan Rickman still. <laughs> exactly. And that would have right? killed too. <laughs> There's so much to love about this movie. I mean, from the, again, super rich colors. Oh, man. The Nightmare Horses have this this trail about them, this like ooze 
like they're from, like we were talking about the other day when we were watching uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yep. We got that goo where just kind of like, it's just this oily darkness trailing behind them when they're moving around. And fuck me, man. That's just, it's heartbreaking. I'm going to give you this. These horses, this is what they should have been in the first Lord of the Rings movie. Yes. They're terrifying, man. I mean, like, again, I, I don't have kids, but I I can only imagine. Did this give Joey nightmares? <laughs> no. Here's, no, here's that's what, good. Here's what's funny. He lost his first tooth, like, right after this. Oh, wow. So we played on... And I, I'll, I'll, if I can read, I'll, I'll try to grab the picture because what I ended up doing was I cut out, I cut out some wrapping paper and on the flip side, I got out a Sharpie and on the white side, I wrote down a note. I used to write notes to Joey all the time for Christmas as Santa Claus. Thank you for the cookies and all that stuff. So for the tooth fairy, this time I actually wrote it all out. I'm going to say, I'm so glad you liked my new movie. And just so it was so I tied it all to the movie and he really just, it really reached him. Cause like saying, you know, Sandy, like, like last night when we were watching the movie, he's like, I said, he was getting ready to go upstairs. I mean, you want to stay down here, watch rise of the garden. I said, you want to watch rise with me? And he goes, I thought you didn't like that movie. I'm like, I love rise of the guardians. Like, Oh, I thought you were talking about Skywalker. And I'm like, <laughs> no, <do not. laughs> so he, he goes no i want to you know he's he's you know 14 so he wants to go play his video games this kid with his, with his buddy which is fine so i watched it by myself but and as he was going up the stairs i'm like going but don't you want to watch sandman he just stops he's like don't <laughs> don't do it ah. anyway so i have a photograph somewhere in my note that i left him and if i can find it i'll uh, i'll put it up on uh, on patreon for free, I won't put it on. I'll, I won't post it as a uh, a paid tier thing just to show it off to people so they can see it. But he's very much. He was never scared of the movie. He just got it. You know, he really felt it. And you, you watching him, I was talking about how angry I got. He got super angry with pitch. He kept leaning into me when we saw the movie. He's like, he's gonna get his right, Dad. Just, there's some movies that you're gonna see your, with your kid where you're watching it, enjoying it for the first time, and there's other movies where you're watching him. At, and like I do it on the couch when I'm showing him new stuff and I'll just watch him just to see his reactions to certain things. We He loved the shit out of it and wasn't scared, but he had the opposite effect on him. It's one of those movies, like I said, there's always something that reaches somebody. And for him, it was Tooth Fairy. And I think it was most, that's something to do with him losing a tooth so soon after seeing the movie. I mean, like the same week he lost his first tooth. Wow. So part of the reason that we wrote the, right, we wrote the note is because we realized he was going to bed and we didn't have any change. And all I had was a 20. Yeah. <laughs> so wrong kind of paper, brother. I said, I wrote something to the effect of like, since this is your first tooth, it's extra special. And that's why, you know, you're getting $20 for it. Right. It's the one with all your memories. Oh my God. I'm like, going, did I said, your mouth, you're going to, you got $200 in your mouth. If I give you, if I give you, a, you know, 20 bucks for every one. Start pulling out. the dude. You start pulling his teeth out. Be careful. <laughs> I need 20 bucks. <laughs> Dad, do you see the pliers? <laughs> Dad, I need your leather, man. No, Joey, no. Oh, my God. So funny. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny about this movie is this is the directorial feature film debut of Peter Ramsey. And he's been known in the circles for a while to be a storyboard artist. The first thing he did as a director was he directed one of the shorts spun off of DreamWorks Monsters versus Aliens. He did the the, the hollow the Halloween special with the evil pumpkin patch, which is great. Right. 
But it also he also co-directed Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So guess what? Even if you haven't seen Rise of Guardians, you've seen his work. As a storyboard artist, uh, you had some interactions with him on productions. Yeah, uh, Panic Room and Fight Club, oh. oddly enough. It's funny because, you know, I'd seen the film, but I just never made the connection that it was Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so weird, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's what happens. You, you, you just have somebody in, in your head as like, you know, this is what they do. And I just never made a connection until today. It's yeah. weird. Crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm going to have to, I, and I've not seen into the spider verse. I have not seen it. Uh, it's funny because it's, it's been in my queue of stuff to watch for, I don't know, three years now. <laughs> I, I just keep, you know, I, I keeps getting bumped, but now I'm going to go back definitely and watch it. I'm also looking forward to uh, Lost Ollie. It looks amazing. Yes. That's what he's got. He's got coming up next and it looks fantastic. And the, and the voice cast on that is pretty great too. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm super excited for that. Man, Lost Ollie is a, <laughs> it's going to be a rough one, dude. Because he's already shown how we can tug on your heartstrings, you know, and. Oh, and that image of for Lost Ollie, dude, yeah. I can't even look at it. Nope. And what I'm digging about it is them not saying much more about it. You know, they're not saying anything about the movie and just the, other than being, a, I mean, the series, other than it being a lost toy kind of thing. Right. Um, they're, they're not saying much more about it, which is great. It's a series, but I don't think it's even tied to anything yet, right? It's not tied to a service or is it Netflix? Oh, it's Netflix, dude. It's Netflix. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it is. Yeah, that's cool. It was actually supposed to premiere in January, but it never came around. But no joke, man. He got the skills, man. There's You saw it. You see it in this movie. You saw it in the short he did before that. And I'm just like, I'm I'm really excited to see what he's got coming up because Spider-Verse is such a... We, we got our new 4K television back in December. And Spider-Verse was the first thing I put on because not only is it just a type of animation you've never seen before, it hits your heartstrings in a lot of ways like The Price of the Guardians does. When you look at the work that Peter Ramsey's done over the years, you can see he's his work is mostly tied to very well-developed character studies, even if there's a, even if it's a kid's movie or it's something like Fight Club or like Panic Room. I mean, yeah, storyboard artist, but... You know, Fincher is such a visual guy. You know him as a storyboardist for for David. It has been just oh yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> Especially David's storyboards. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> you know, they're a little different. <laughs> yeah, and I think you see a little bit of that during the the pre production section of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo BTS. Yeah, and and Benjamin Button too. I think if you have the, yes. if you own the uh, if you yeah. own the Blu Ray. Even though he didn't work on those particular movies, you can still see the style and ex expectations that David Fincher has. And, and, and you can just imagine and kind of incorporate that. But Peter Ramsey, man, he is a force to be reckoned with. And I don't not see him moving on to live action. Oh, yeah, man. At some point. Absolutely. With this thing he's doing for Netflix, I, I can see him spawning off a deal with them, which would be great because he's he he's done... He's worked in the art department and storyboard work on so many movies that we've talked about on the show. Yeah, as man, just Minority passing. Report. Yeah. I mean. One of these days, man, we're kind of like a full-on time. I mean, how many times we mentioned Minority Report when we when we did Edge of Tomorrow? Like a lot. We did it a lot. How many times did we just mention it anyway? <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of these times we should talk about it for real. <laughs> it's like it's like out of nowhere. 
Minority Report. What'd you say? Oh, no. We were talking about uh, something. Did you say Minority Report? Hey, Minority Somebody Report. Somebody did. Somebody said Minority Report. <laughs> God damn it. You guys talk about that shit. Talk about it. Again, he he's uh, he's going to be, like I said, he's a force to be reckoned with because his work speaks for itself. I mean, it, to go from a storyboard artist to directing animated features, is it's not, a, it's not an unusual jump, but to put that much stock in somebody... Because he put his, you know, he paid his dues. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, this is one of those movies, Rise of the Guardians, when we decided we wanted to talk about it. I was super excited because, but I, I didn't realize it was, had been almost 10 years since right. I'd seen it. And I got to say, man, it, uh, it really, like, it really holds up in every, like across the board. And it's because the voice actors, it, the animation with the voice actors, it all feels it feels legit and feels real. I mean, you know, a, a six foot kind of buffed out uh, talking rabbit <laughs> voiced yeah. by Hugh Jackman. Yeah. There, there's two ways that goes, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. And this went the, it went the right way, obviously. Yeah. And I just love, I love the attention to detail in this movie. I mean, each one, like when we, we so like I said, I mentioned before the, uh, the North's palace where, where they make the toys, the wonder aspect of it, if you will. And that does another thing too, is that what I, what I think it's really great the way that they, um, when North gives his speech about what's in your core, you know, what, what is, what is your, what are you the guardian of? Like, you know, North's the guardian of wonder and, Sandy's the guardian of dreams. You know, everybody's got their own special thing. But, but I love the fact that when we visit these different environments, like when we go to Tooth's Palace, man, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the millions and millions of baby teeth, which is also kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird. That's what I love about this movie, right? I love this movie for embracing the weirdness of childhood, like, because things are weird when you're a kid. And I kind of think that, that this movie does it better than 90% of the animated stories that are told. I think that's kind of why it also appeals to adults, like the, the some of the Pixar stuff does. But I mean, this is a movie that's not afraid of, like I said, how many kids movies start with somebody drowning? Right. You know what I mean? It kind of goes there. And and you point out something that I wanted to like make sure that, it, that it's kind of laid out. Yes, there's Santa Claus. There is Easter Bunny. There is the Tooth Fairy and Jack Frost. But they have names that don't say Santa Claus. Because as you said, North. Well, Santa Claus, <laughs> voiced by Alec Baldwin, is actually Nicholas St. North. Right. Hugh Jackman is asked E. Aster Bunnyman. <laughs> Easter Bunny for short. And Tooth Fairy's actually name is Toothania. So it's like, it's not so straightforward as it sounds. Right. But you know who they represent. Nicholas St. North doesn't have a wife, like the traditional Santa Claus. Right. There's no Mrs. He's got Christmas elves and yetis taking care of business for him. That's right. And you do see some, uh, some reindeer. Yes. You do see the sleigh. But, you know, again, it's it's also, it's told from the non-traditional, you know, or maybe it's the more traditional yeah. version of, because I believe that the whole Santa Claus thing is an Eastern European origin, right? right. And, I, and I really love that they kind of went that way rather than they, when you say Santa Claus to most people our age, you think of that slightly tipsy old man at the <laughs> fucking mall that you had to sit on his lap and get a yeah. picture taken with. Right. No, t no tattoos that you can see. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I, I just kind of really dug the world that this evolves, or, you know, that takes place in, I guess. Yeah. Uh, also, the one I want to annoy too is Alexander Desplat, who did the score for this. <laughs> Yeah. That guy, he has the most, and I hate using this word, but it's the best way to describe me. He has the most eclectic filmography. 
I mean, who can say that they worked the, the score for for the last Godzilla movie and then the Twilight movies, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox or some Potter movies? And then he jumped ahead. He's worked with all the major animated studios recently, too. Oh, yeah. He did Isle of Dogs. He did Secret Life of Pets. Troll Hunters. And, and of course, he, since you mentioned it earlier, he did The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yep. His work is expansive. Oh, shit. Might as well go ahead and point this out, too. He did the score for The Shape of Water, since you mentioned Del Toro earlier. So, right. Yeah. And this guy's work is so well accomplished. He's such an accomplished musician and composer. Dude, he's only going to be 60 this year. I know. And his it's body of work is just insane. And he, this guy works more than Bear McCreary. Like Bear McCreary does like 500 television shows and movies a year. A week. Yeah. Alexander Despia is a, he just lends to every element. You, 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 when you get, you get your whimsy moments with Sandy and with Tooth Fairy, but man, the, the, the cue he came up with at the very beginning when you're seeing Jack, you know, make snow day for the kids. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Gosh, dude, the way he flies around, he's totally Peter Pan in that moment. And I, and I, I didn't want to go without making sure that that was known. Oh, yeah, for sure. Very much a Peter Pan situation where he's forgotten his life that put him where he's at. He's because it's been so long. But, you know, man, the moon made him forget because he didn't want him to have any pain. And when he has that realization that he because that's his biggest fear. Pitch works on that fear for Jack of people never knowing who he is. Because people believe in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy, but Jack Frost. Now they set that up early on. Nobody knows who Jack Frost is, but he's real. We know he's real. He's right there. And the other guardians that people believe in know he's real because they see him as well. And when Way Pitch works on Jack and his fear of never being known or remembered, just breaks him. And then the, the point where he gets distracted and gets in his own head. And he causes a great deal of turmoil for the world, not just the world, but I mean, not just the, the individual guardians and who they protect and what they protect, but the whole world starts not believing anymore. Right. Of his selfishness of, of wanting to be remembered himself. Kind of like the orange president. Exactly. <laughs> Plunged the world into darkness. And then the man, the moon reveals to Jack who he was before he became Jack Frost. He instantly swings it around and realizes that I was remembered. I am, I was loved and I was this person before I became a guardian. And now I have to save the world before the last person that still believes. That's dude. It's like one of the sweetest moments. You already know I'm an emotional dude. So, and I hadn't seen it in a little while. I'm like, Oh fuck. And I'm sitting on the couch in the dark by myself. watching it. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. I remember how much, how nice it was being in a movie theater <laughs> in the darkness, wiping away my tears that had come down my face. Yeah, dude, it's, the score is so moving and it just really, it's, it gets you in, in that, in the right way. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, I, I told you I was going to ask you this. Okay, so is this a Christmas movie, man? Is this an Easter movie? It was released at Thanksgiving. Or is this just a movie you should watch whenever the fuck you want? Well, here it is. We're on the cusp of Easter, right? It's right around the right. corner. Sure. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it got released when you when you have Christmas movies. They usually get you know put out there around Thanksgiving. That's when the holiday sure. season starts. 
it's not a Thanksgiving movie. So, <laughs> so no, you have to look it's at not. Is it something you can watch at Christmas time? Yeah. Is it is it something you could watch at Easter? Sure. But if you look at all the Guardians, they only represent two of the of, of those things. Right. But Sandman represents every day of the year. As does the Tooth Fairy. Oh, look, we just watched it. And I wasn't even thinking about Easter until it ended. I'm like, oh, man, Easter is right here. I wasn't even yeah, thinking man. about it. Easter is going to be Sunday. Yeah. And I think it's really neat why they say Rise of the Guardians. They don't, you know, they don't. it's not the Rise of the Holiday Guardians. But even though they have in the movie... You see Easter, Easter's happens in the movie, which I thought was interesting that they put it out when they put it out, right? But I think it's easier for people to digest an Easter scenario in December since it is tied to loosely, at least in the world of of commercialism, Easter and Christmas being tied together. So it's an, it's an, it's an easier bridge between the two. But if had they waited until March or, you know, March and put this movie out for Easter, it's jarring seeing Christmas right. stuff at you know that time of year. So I think, you know, I think to answer your question more distinctly, yeah, it doesn't, I think it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> right. Watch it. I'm, I'm just going to say it's a movie. Like I, I always just kind of associated it as a Christmas movie from 12 years ago or yeah. nine years ago, rather 2012. But what I'm saying is after watching it this morning, it's something that you should just watch whenever you want. Because yeah. It's not, it, it's just kind of movie. If you're if you're in the mood for something fun and uh, moves quickly and it kind of lifts your spirits, it, it takes you on a roller coaster of emotions, and you just want to, you know, you're like, what could I watch tonight that's just fun and I don't have to think too much about it? You could watch this anytime you want. Yeah. It's the thing about you know most Christmas movies you watch at Christmas because right. it's the season you're into it. But I feel like this is the kind of movie you can watch anytime because it, it applies to every day of the year. It doesn't matter. It, it's not like, Hey, why are you watching a Christmas movie in June? <laughs> right. I can. It's, it's funny. Cause I always had thought of it as a Christmas movie until this morning. And I'm like, it's not really a Christmas movie. It's, it's, it's just kind of a movie. Yeah. One of the characters we associate with Christmas. Right. Here's what's funny. William Joyce, the writer, and he's also, and I should point out too, William Joyce is also, is an illustrator and animator. And he got together with Real Effects as a joint venture to create uh, some CG animated features that unfortunately didn't come to fruition. But like I, I mentioned uh, earlier that they did, came up with a short animated film, came from that, that, uh, that go around. Joyce sold the film rights to DreamWorks in 2008. So how about that, man? It took him four years to get this put together, right? At the time, they just called nice. it the Gar they just called it the Guardians at the time, well, off a different script. William Joyce was going to be co-directing it, and he did co-direct it with uh, Ramsey for a little while. But his daughter had passed during that time, and so he left to go deal with that. There's a special like acknowledgement to his daughter in the credits. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't I didn't realize she had passed away of a brain tumor at yeah. 18. Yeah. Another reason why this movie looks so cinematic is Roger Deakins came in to As do- As a lighting consultant. Right. <laughs> and that's why it looks the way it looks. And that's why it looks so different than the other DreamWorks movies. Man, you when you look at, at Deakins' involvement and Del Toro's involvement, and obviously William Joyce's involvement, you know, it's a, he's the creator of the whole story. I mean, for him to take folklore and characters like he has and make them his own- it really is a quite an achievement, even regardless if it's an animated movie or not, or, or, Hey, it's amazing. It's this good. And even though it's a DreamWorks movie, I, you know, I hate putting asterisks on stuff. Bottom line is it's fucking good. Everything about it. There's nothing in this movie that doesn't work. Everything 
that they mean you, mean for you to feel you feel. Zit. Yeah, man. It fires on all cylinders yep. if you want to use that old analogy. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, there's, I mean, for me, there's like a lot of times I don't watch kids' movies because they're too, they're just too sappy and hokey for me. But not this one, man. It, it punches you where you live, as they say. I'm not an overly emotional person, but there are moments in this movie that I could feel myself get that. <gasps> That weird feeling in my chest yeah. where I'm like, like my breath has just been sucked out. Yeah. And uh, like the first time I saw it, like when you see Jack rescue and, you know, when it flashes back and you, and you see the moment where he became Jack Frost again and you see the lead up to it. Yeah. They show it all to you. And, it, and I applaud that uh, because a lot of times I feel like, especially now, we try to keep that stuff from kids. They, like they shouldn't see like bad things don't really happen. You can, you can know about them indirectly, but you should never see them happen. Right. I mean, I'm not that I'm saying you should show kids people getting hit by cars or faces of death when they're like eight years <laughs> no. old or anything like that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, and I thought, you know, there's, but there are moments in this movie where, like I said, you know, I, I have that feeling of like my breath has just been sucked out and I might vomit because <laughs> what I'm seeing is making me feel a certain way. But uh, yeah, man, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing that I could say about this film that's not positive. Right. Even if I wanted to. It's it's currently shown on HBO Max, but I have to say it was giving me all kinds of fits playing it, so I had to bust out my disc for that. If you if you have HBO Max and it's still there and you're having problems with it, dude, it's $7.50 for the Blu-ray and the digital on Amazon. So that's like nothing. And if you have a problem with Amazon and their uh and the how they and how they handle their employees, well, it's the same price over at Best Buy. So there you go. Right. When HBO Max is being a piece of shit. <laughs> this is what you do. I eventually got through the whole thing with it, but I got out. I ended up getting the disc out anyway, just in case it wouldn't finish. And I was going to end up watching some of the BTS and then the BTS was great. But dude, yeah, this movie, I know this is, this movie kind of gets pushed aside because, or, and most like a lot of animated movies get pushed aside because it's because people don't have kids or whatever. That's not, this does not work that way. Like I said, this you got rich colors that you're not going to see in a live action movie, but you have so many uh, outside influences that make it look real, that make it look and feel like you're part of the world. Now we saw this in 3D when we saw it in the movie theater and the way they handle the depth of field in the movie, which is you really, you can tell that's where Rogers, you know, Roger Deakins influences and just on the lighting power, but also the depth of field and just the general camera moves that they had in it. It's so good. If you don't, I, I get it if you don't have a 3D TV, but I mean, just, I just want to sell a point on how much effort was put in this movie and how much actually shows on the screen. You get that a lot because animation is so pre-planned and you, it's not like a live action movie where you're, you can write it down, you can storyboard it and you can animate it as much as you want, but sometimes it doesn't get there. I'm looking at that Guardians from the cover that you have, and I can't help but think of, for our Star Wars friends, how much that uh, that Bunny looks like Jax from the uh, Star Wars comic, Eight Against the the Eight Against the World comic from uh -huh. the late seventies. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I get it. Sure, I can see it. Uh, there you go. There's some Star Wars for you. I love all the. I by the way, I love the whole Marvel series of Star Wars because they always like going. Dude, if Harrison Ford had legs like Captain America. <laughs> and arms like that. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, and by the way, did, tell me no Chewbacca doesn't look more like one of the Yetis here. 
Oh, I was going to say, I was just about to say, and look, there's our Yeti from Rise of the Guardians. But, oh shit, dude, no joke. Look at the dude with the green cape to, to the left. Is that very Sam yeah. Manny, the face? Oh, totally, man. I Holy mean, like shit. this whole thing. Right. The, and look, I mean, I'm not saying that's toothy back there, but I'm just saying, look, you got you got the Easter Bunny, you got the Yeti, you got Sandman. It's all there. There, There's your tie in. Yeah. And then and you can tell right there the scene. And when you see this cover, it makes more sense with the whole Easter time because you see the Easter eggs and all the green and things like yeah, that. So it kind totally. of works in that regard. But if you didn't know anything about the movie, you saw this, you were like, what the? Because look at how they cover up and make sure you don't know that that's Santa Claus. No, exactly. I yeah. mean, they, you don't know anything. You don't know anything about it. Yeah. That it doesn't. It doesn't even look like an elf at the bottom there. Nope. Dude, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Sandy, who doesn't speak, picks up the elf and rings him like a bell, like he's standing outside <laughs> a store for yes. the collecting money for the Salvation Army. <laughs> Dude, all those little Christmas elves—they're all punks, man, and they're all angry all the time. <laughs> and not very smart, apparently. No, they're not. The only, the only way they look somewhat intelligent is they're dealing with the Yetis, too. Even Jax is all bulked up. You know, that reminds me yeah, of now. Right? That reminds me of, yeah, that totally reminds me of of Easter Bunny. Or maybe yeah. even Kinger Jack. A little bit. Sure. Absolutely, man. But this, this movie is super fun. I, I'm sad it kind of took me almost 10 years to get back to watching it. But yeah, man, it was uh, super enjoyable. Yeah. Check it out. This is Rise of the Guardians and not Guardians of the Galaxy. So just so you know, <laughs> get the right one. Right? Yes. Also, the there's a video game for it too that was up for Xbox I was just going to ask you, have yeah. you played the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did when we had it. When we had a PS3, we played it. Yeah. It's fun. It's a fun game. Yeah. Sure. I think we still, we still have it somewhere. It's not a, it's one of those ones that doesn't really hold up. You know, one of those film to video game adaptations. Sure. Where they just get the license and they kind of loosely base the game around it. But I found it to be fun. Yeah. Because what was really cool about it in which it tied, this part is important. You can have up to four people in co-op mode when you play the game, which is what you have to have because that the guardians have to work as a team. They can, when they work, when they're, when they're individual and they try to do things individually is when shit starts. And that's, and that's what the game sells is to, like, I don't think we ever played it with just one person. I don't think any of us played it with just Joey and I played it or Melody, Joey and I played together. But yeah, that was a fun game. The movie itself is such a, a surprise if, you know, if it's totally unfamiliar to you. I, the movie did okay in the theaters like we talked about, and it really should have been enough to spawn a sequel because I know they sold a lot of Blu-rays from it. Sure. No, 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 it's set up that way, but yeah. You know, the Joyce had written a bunch of smaller books too. Stuff after this tied to the series, but, but they were like more novellas than they were like full novels. Yeah, Rise of the Guardians, check it out. If you haven't seen it before, if you have, revisit it if you haven't seen it in a long time. Kids or no kids, I think you're going to really enjoy it because the sound design is amazing. The imagery is just, it's unmatched. It really is. Yeah, man. Totally. Spectacle. Yeah. Eat some uh, gummies and sit down and just <laughs> submerge yourself into this world, man. There you go. All right. If you want to follow us on social media, we're only in a couple of places these days. And uh, hopefully we'll get the Instagram thing going soon. But on Letterboxd, I'm at Corey underscore Culp. You can find out what I'm watching and what I am enjoying or not enjoying. <laughs> I know some people are asking me, um, 
how come the movies you're posting you know, for the show aren't showing up on Letterboxd right away? And I'm like, well, because we've been making a surprise for you. I've been telling you guys anything that's been going on. So if I tell you <laughs> that I watched it, then you're going to know what we're covering. That's not fun. Yeah. What's the fun in that? Yeah. So uh, as I also, as I mentioned before, is I will find that photograph of that little note that I left for Joey from the Tooth Fairy. I'll put that up on Patreon. Um, and if you want to check this out on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom Cody, like Tom Cody from Streets of Fire. Did I mention that yet? Ever? Hey, man, you should also maybe post up this uh, Star Wars comic book. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.